All right, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Points Podcast. Uh, we're here with uh, my buddy Nate Hyatt. I'm Nick Sowers, the other co-host, and we're here with uh, Rachel Waterhouse today, who is a uh, the the woman of mystery from uh, Team Sturdy Bitch that agreed to come on the podcast with us. And uh, I think it's uh, it's really cool to watch her journey on Instagram and and everything that she's accomplishing, especially in the time frame that she's accomplishing it, and you know, watching her compete and stuff. We've gotten to kind of to know Rachel, and we just wanted to introduce you guys to her as well, and just let her uh, have the opportunity to kind of tell her story. And uh, so we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, thanks for having me. So uh, we usually just kind of start the podcast with uh, like, where'd you grow up? Well, uh, like, just kind of tell us that mm-hmm. whole story. Um, so I actually grew up in California. I'm from Hayward, California, and I was there until. Maybe middle school is when I transitioned over here. Um, I was playing sports in California. And when I went out for the sports teams, there was like 20 or 30 girls on my one team. And I would come here in the summer to visit my family. And I would see there's only like five girls. And I was like, if I want to do college, like I need to be in Kansas because there's not that many people that I have to compete with. Um, so I ended up moving here and staying with my cousins and my dad's side of the family. Um, and I've been here probably since freshman year of high school. And then in high school, I played everything. I was in basketball. Basketball was my main sport. Um, I threw javelin. I sucked at it. (laughs) I sucked really bad. (laughs) I threw javelin for one practice in high school and that was all it took for me. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I did volleyball. I've done everything. Um, so that's kind of like how I grew up. I, have a lot of siblings. So I, there's five of us with my mom and dad, and then I have two half-brothers. Um, so we used to fight with, about food and all this other stuff growing up. So that's why I'm, I'm sturdy. <laughs> are, are, so are you from, like, big city California, small, smaller city um, California? It's like a suburb of, like, um, Oakland, okay. Oakland, San Jose, the so Bay Area. So that's more like SoCal, basically? Yeah. Okay. Basically where Nelson's from. Really? He's from Brentwood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so, w- so you came here freshman year of high school. Was that like a conversation that you kind of had with your parents, or like what? How did that transpire? <laughs> so uh, they actually voted me off the island because Survivor was really big back then. <laughs> and I told my dad, I was like, I want to stay here, and he's like, Well, we're gonna have to take a vote. Your siblings are gonna have to agree, and me and your mom are gonna have to have a decision, like a conversation. And he had them vote, and we would always fight. So I knew they was going to vote me off the island anyway. (laughs) So they all voted me off the island. Um, But my dad was like, if that's something you really want to do, then we'll try it out for a year. My mom hated it. I mean, to be away from them. Are you the oldest? I'm the middle child. Oh, okay. I think that's why it was easy for them to vote me off. I was a black sheep. (laughs) 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 Um, So, yeah. And then um, I actually went back. For a year because my mom was having such a hard time with me being away. Um, and I just didn't like it. I was failing school because there was like 40, 50 people in my one high school, like my one class in math. And math is my worst subject. Like I can't. It's hard for me. Um, so I just failed. I was like, mm, I don't care. I want to go back to Kansas. <laughs> um, so they sent me back. And I've been here ever since. What high school did you go to? Which Mount one? Eden. Oh. Yeah. As they where's that at? <laughs> in Hayward, California. Well, what about in, here? Oh, here. Wichita, um, North High. Okay. Yeah. So you went to school in Wichita then? Yeah. Okay. I was a redskin. Yeah. 
Heck yeah. And so, uh, what did you do after, I guess, high school? Ooh, I tried college for a little bit and then I dropped out. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. I'm back in college, so calm down. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was in, at Wichita State for a little bit. I dropped out. I was just so involved with work. So I worked with um, individuals with autism, teaching them independence um, and their high behavior. So it's a physical job. So I just got wrapped up in that and I dropped out of high or dropped out of college. Um, that was mainly it for the last like five, 10 years. Like I've just been working. Um, and then I met my husband now and we tried for three years to have my son. So I battled with infertility and things like that. Um, so we did that and then I finally had my son. And then I found the gym and that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> so you say you're back in, is you're back in college. Is that related to the job field that you're in now? Yes. So yeah. my major is going to be psychology. Um, so I've been in and out of college. I would go for a year. I would drop out. I passed all my classes. I just, I'm not focused. I wasn't focused. Um, cause I wasn't working towards like in my mind, I wasn't really working towards anything. I'm at the job that I want to be at. Um, I'm a supervisor there. There was really nowhere else to climb at that point. Um, and then when my son came, I was like, I need to do better and I want to do something else. Um, and I want him to see, like, even if you drop out or if it's something that's hard for you, like you can overcome it and, and get it done. And you don't have to do the traditional route. Like most people like four years and get it done. Like if it takes you longer, it takes you longer, but finish. So that's why I'm back in it. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. What family did you stay with when you were here in high school? Like, was that like an aunt or uncle or? Um, I stayed with my cousins, actually. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, I would go back and forth between my aunt and my cousins, but mainly it was a group of cousins that I stayed with. And what, what was, was that better than siblings or worse or about uh, the same or? It taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it taught me a lot about like appreciating things um, because I, well, and that even though we're fighting, like, I still love my siblings. You know, mm -hmm. I miss them a lot. It was a hard transition, mm -hmm. even though it was my choice. Um, so I battled with that for a whole year of just missing them and not having anyone around. And then actually my oldest sister ended up moving down here, too, and staying with the same um, cousin group that we had. Um, so that made it easier. But it was it was tough. But they taught me a lot about my black side, actually, because when I was with my mom and my dad, it was just multicultural. It was less like this is black and this is Filipino because I'm black and Filipino. Um, I didn't learn any history or anything like that. But when I came to my cousin's side, they taught me a lot of the history um, and to be proud of who I am and things like that. So I learned a lot. Was it a little bit of culture shock coming from California to here? What was like some of the things that you noticed that were that like really made stood out for you. So California, it's so versatile and there's so many different nationalities. So no one ever questioned what I was. There was not like, what are you? Like, are you black? Are you Asian? Are you, a lot of people think I'm like Samoan or Tongan or that would or have been, that like would that. have been my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, there was no question because every, everyone's mixed there, but in Kansas, they were like, what are you? Like, <laughs> And they would be like, is that, is that your real hair? So in high school, people would like grab my hair 
and like put their fingers in my hair and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Back off. Like, <laughs> and then I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm black and Filipino. And they're like, what's Filipino? And I'm like, okay, I'm black and Asian. So it was a big culture shock because a lot of people, I guess at that time didn't see a lot of mixed. There was not a lot of mixed people. Um, North highest majority Hispanic at the time. I'm sure it is now still, but yeah, it was a big culture shock for them. So See, did I went to uh, Nickerson High School, which is a small high school. Mm-hmm. We had 350 kids in our whole school. Oh, wow. So <laughs> we had, there was like three black kids total in our school. Yeah. So it, like then I went to Sterling College, still not huge school, but there was a lot of kids from California and Texas and, you know, and met a, met, met a bunch of different cultures and that kind of thing. And it was really like yeah. eye-opening and it's. It was really cool. So, well, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, my my oldest son, um, my wife was pregnant when we got together, so he's he's half black, half white, and mm-hmm. so he's missing out on that history stuff, yeah. and that's not something that I know anything about. Like, for instance, I know this is going to probably sound stupid, but like he he wants to put curls in his hair. Mm-hmm. A, I have or twist, excuse me. <laughs> a, I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. B, I have no idea the hair care because I know it's significantly different. So I'm like legit YouTubing this stuff, like just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and you know, so, and it's also hard too, because when he's gone through, he's gone through like the civil, civil liberties or civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and all that. And he's hanging on to like a lot of anger and resentment of that and trying to talk him through that. And, you know, cause when he came home one day and was like the way he was phrasing was like, I was the enemy, you know, kind oh, of like yeah. how he was doing it. I was like, Whoa, like kind of back up here, homie. Like I've been here your whole <laughs> life and I love you more than you could ever know. Right. And so just trying to like walk through that. And we, cause that was one of the things I was hoping cause we let him meet his biological father. It was mm-hmm. like, I was kind of like, I had that conversation with him. I'm like, Hey, you know, you can like teach him these things that I cannot. And they're going to, they're going to like have a hook to him. Cause it's like, you know, this dude knows what he's talking about kind right. of thing. And that hasn't panned out well, but, um, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I, I'm not living that, but it's, it's, there's a lot to be said about that because it's kind of like a hole, I guess that he has, that he doesn't really know or get or understand. And, and it's not something that I could fill. Yeah. Especially, I'm sure he's young, like a teenager. 13. Yeah. yeah he's 13. I mean, it's, it's hard. Um, especially just being mixed in general because you get pulled to one side or another. Um, like some, most people now just see me as black and I'm like, well, I'm black and Filipino. Um, but I've learned more about my black side than my Filipino side. So I kind of struggle with that too. Like I, I need to educate myself on the other side too. Um, but my mom ran into that same thing. She didn't know how to do our hair. Um, uh, we looked crazy as little kids cause our hair was just <laughs> everywhere. Um, but I do think like nowadays you do have YouTube and, and different things, but it's, a, it's a struggle and it's something that you have to overcome. Um, something he's going to have to overcome too, you know, just just working through all of that. So what are some cool things that you learned? I mean, about, about, you know, both sides that you just like, you learned and you thought were cool or things that you, you know, really pride in. That's a t- <laughs> That's <laughs> I never really thought about it. <laughs> um, I, I just love the, the culture, the Filipino culture in general, the food. Um, I'm still learning more about it cause I'm, I'm more removed from that side of my family than I am my black side of the family. Um, but the black side of my family actually is the, the side where I learned like a lot of my confidence and being confident in who you are and not listening to anyone. Cause someone's always going to judge you. Someone's always not going to like you. Um, especially based off how you look. And I'm, 
a mixed. So a lot of people here are like, what are you? And that used to get me a lot as, as a little kid. Like, why are you asking me? Like, I'm a person. Like, yeah. why are you asking me that? Um, but also, like, as a plus size person, I've been plus size all my life. People are always saying something negative. Um, so they taught me to really be proud of myself, be proud of where I've come from. Um, and that's kind of what sit with me the, my whole life. It's just taking pride in, in what you are and owning that and not listening to anyone else. So, so is that, that, uh, that confidence in like who you were, is that what kind of brought you to strongman or like what? No. no. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what brought you, I guess, to like, like top crop and, and my, and all that other kind of stuff. We're going to get right into it. Um, so I had my son, um, and because it took me so long, I have PCOS, so it took me a long time. Like it took me three years. I have no years. idea what that is. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. So okay. it, it's harder for me to have children. Basically, okay. I deal with a lot of other stuff. Um, so it took me three years, which is a three-year battle. I finally gave up, and then poof, it happened. Um, and once I had him, I was like, oh. Like, this is my golden ticket. Like, this is my treasure. I'm going to hold on to it. No one's going to touch him. Um, and I sat on my couch spending time with him. I got up to 315 pounds. Um, and my husband's like, you know, you used to be active. You used to do things for yourself. Like, I know that we have a child together. Um, but you have to do something for yourself. Like, you can't, you're going to lose yourself. So I started going to, like, Genesis and, and Planet Fitness and things like that. I'd run through like all the arm machines, all the leg machines. And I was like, Oh, this is a leg workout. I learned it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to put the weights down really quietly, you yeah, know, no exactly. chalk, you know, try not <laughs> like, to get kicked out. What you is know? chalk? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually work with Lizzie, who's a team member, um, on the team and she was doing like an online powerlifting program. And she's like, hey, I know you like to lift heavy weights. Come with me to the gym. So we would go to Vasa and places like that. And once I get into something, like, I researched the heck out of it. Like, I was YouTubing, like, what is powerlifting? What is this squat bench and all this other stuff? And then um, it takes you, like, strongman. Like, there's this whole, like, deep dive. Once you start, like, you just roll into other things. Yeah. <laughs> So Strongman came up, and I was seeing these guys like Brian Shaw, like lifting stones and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. I wanted to do it. And another person that I work with was like, and I was saying, like, there's no gyms around here. Like, Planet Fitness doesn't have stones. Like, how am I going to do it? <laughs> and, uh, They'd well, probably be like, you want me to buy what? <laughs> right, exactly. What? Um, one of my other coworkers was like, hey, I know a gym. Like, check out this gym. I messaged them. And I will never forget, I walked into Top Crop with Lizzie, me and her. I was like, if I'm going, you're going. Like, there's no way I'm going by myself. She so, tried to do that today with a podcast. I did. <laughs> yeah, she ditched me, Lizzie. Um, so we walk in, and there's these guys doing, like, heavy deadlifts. There's chalk. It was just like a meathead gym. <laughs> I don't know how to describe Like, get the picture, like, a meathead gym, what you think. Like, that's what I walked into. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is not Planet Fitness. <laughs> Those private gyms, everybody's yelling. It's the opposite. Like, the lunk alarm's going off all the time. Right, yeah. Um, and my was there. She handed us our keys. And I remember walking out, and I looked at Lizzie, and I said, we're going to give it one month. We had signed a one. We're gonna give this one month, um, and we haven't looked back since. 
We actually started in powerlifting. So I trained powerlifting with my for like six months. We did like a mock meet. Um, and then everybody in the gym started training strongman. There How was, long ago did you guys start? Uh, we've been two years at Top Crop. Yeah. Yeah, we've been a training basically. Two, yeah. You and I have been training basically at the same time. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And you're still kicking my ass. Because <laughs> I'm sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> that and I was the computer nerd in my parents' basement not doing sports when I was younger. But anyway, I digress. Continue. Um, so, yeah, that's how we, we started. Um, there was a strongman competition that Scott was putting on in Salina and everybody was, was training and there were some other girls that had came in and started training with Mai and Mai's like, Hey, let's try this. I was like, there's no way I can't pick up a stone. Like, what is this? You want me to do what? And then I fell in love with it. We haven't looked back since. Was that, was that the, the, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, it was like a fire and, and rescue type. Yeah, okay. So you, yeah. that was your first contest? Yeah. That was my first contest, too. Really? Yeah. Look. Yeah. <laughs> Our journeys. Yeah. Well, um, so like what, uh, I guess like if people are looking for a gym there in Wichita, like what's, can you explain Top Crop and Maya in Orlando and just like where it's at and all that good stuff and just kind of a plug for the gym? It's the best gym in Wichita. <laughs> no, it's a good app. Is that in a contract? Is that in that contract you <laughs> yeah, were talking about? This in the fine I printer? I have to say that. Okay? <laughs> um, it's a good atmosphere. I think for anyone looking for a gym, one, find a gym that you're going to go to. You know, some people sign up for Genesis and it's like a three-year contract. Are you going to go for three years? Like at right now, are you committed to going for three years? Be real with yourself, right? Most people aren't. No. <laughs> and then we get sucked into a three-year contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, so find a gym that you like. Try it out. Um, Top Crop has a day pass. So you can try it out and come and work out. I think the best part of Top Crop is like everyone is so supportive. So whether you're lifting like two pounds on the bar or 600 pounds like we're gonna yell for you the same um and i've had a lot of girls like message me and say like they're intimidated because the gym gym intimidation is a big thing you know like that's a that's a lot of the reason why it took me so long to get back into the gym because i'm like why especially as a plus size like i'm surrounded by all these like bodybuilders like why am i gonna come into this gym like what do i have to offer um but the best part of top crop is like people are so welcoming They'll help you out. Um, they'll jump. They'll let you jump into workouts and things like that. So, come check us out. That, that and you know the food and beverages afterwards yeah. on Sundays is, <laughs> is also good. The few times that I've been there, yeah, I always enjoy going to Top Crop. I would say I I've always loved the environment there and just everybody there is so cool and helpful and like even times that I was struggling with a lift of like, hey, try this and like there are people that I'm competing against. Um, and they're still like, Hey, you know, same thing with like Jesse Jester at that first contest. I would have never lifted the 200 pound sandbag had he not helped me out. He was actually the one doing the deadlift when I walked into sign. (laughs) (laughs) I realized that I was like, Oh, that was you. And if at that time he's like, he he was telling me because that first contest, he was like two time Kansas strongest or something is what he was saying at Mm -hmm. that time. So, and I'm looking at him going like. You're really not that big of a guy. Like, wow. <laughs> and then watching him like, holy crap. Like you are not like you, you would look at him and not think, no, you know, he doesn't have like that, that, uh, Ronnie Coleman vibe. Right. right? Exactly. But he is just like a shit brick house. Like the rest of you on team sturdy bitch. <laughs> 
Like that's the, another reason to come to Top Crop because we're all so strong. <laughs> I always say uh, there's something in the water down there. <laughs> well, and we're it's giving out our secrets. And it's, <laughs> it's something. I think it's all the uh, the interesting beverages afterwards and stuff that helps. You know, yeah, they're fostering that uh, that dopamine, you know, release exactly. in the brain elves. But you I find don't... I find that when I'm going and it's I know that Nate's going to be there or you know Felicia or Heather or whatever. Um, you know, if Felicia kind of like, she'll watch our workout sometimes, but she doesn't go like one, two, you know, and, but I always feel that that's kind of like what's happening. So I'm always like pushing myself and not cheating myself when I really want to cheat myself. I'm like, okay, eight's good enough. That's close enough to 10. And so just having the support structure is nice. They don't let you cheat there. Um, Ashley, who's another team member. Um, I'm always like, oh, it says 10. Well, we can do eight. She's like, no. You have to do 10. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, they don't let you slack off. And, and kind of like you said, with strongman or, or strength sports in general, it was so weird to me coming in. And I'm like, I'm competing against you and yet you're helping me and you're cheering yeah, me on. Right. Like, it's so weird. Well, when I, when I lifted the log for the first time, first of all, like getting it over my head, I was like, holy crap, I just did that. And then, <laughs> but then to hear the room around me just Crazy. essentially erupt was I was like I was hooked. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Like I was hooked. I'm like I'm in. Yeah. And like the same thing at Midwest with him jumping in the air while I was like carrying the husa. Like that's the stuff that goes in my brain. Um that's like that. That's not like that's the that's the juice for me. You know? <laughs> yeah, everyone's so supportive. <clears throat> yeah. And we push each other too. Yep. It's good to have those people that hold you accountable and really push you to be your best. So. Or sure. or this guy that when there is a lift that I can keep up with him on, like uh, the farmer's carries. You know, he he has to try to one up me and then hurt his back. You know, you know things like that. <laughs> Did you, you know. really? Yeah. No. Last it was like in November. I was supposed to compete in the uh, um, the one in uh, at Scott's gym there. Uh-huh. The, the Christmas the driven one. Christmas. Yeah, the oh, Christmas. I was supposed yeah, yeah. to compete in that one, but I hurt my back like a month before and just. It wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah, well, so we, we try. I, I try not to keep up with him anymore because all he's going to do is hurt himself, <laughs> and I'm going to hurt myself. But so if we go back a little bit, I think it was interesting to hear you have the conversation where your your husband had the conversation of like, "Hey, you used to kind of do things for yourself. Like, how did that go? How does that work out? Because most of the time, like, I try to have that conversation, it doesn't go well. It didn't of go course, well. I, I can. <laughs> of course, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Like, I mean, I can be an asshole. It can happen. I'm not going to say I'm yeah. the perfect husband, but I mean, like how did, did, was it something he said or him helping and kind of pushing you or did, was it just something you did? You, you no. made the decision. Finally. He would tell me that all the time and he, he gets mad now because he's like, oh, if my says it, you're going to do it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I said that a long time ago. I'm like, well, you're not mine or you're not one of the girls. Yeah, right. Um, he would tell me all the time and it, and, Back then, I took it as like a personal attack. I'm like, oh, so you're talking about me? Oh, you don't love me? You don't like the way I look? Um, And I don't know. I think it was just the motivation to get better for my son. I had realized, like, I had let myself go so bad. I was the heaviest I've ever been. And I, as a plus-size person, I've always had a number in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm never going over that number. And then I went over that number. And then I didn't do anything about it. So with him telling me that and then um, just my son, like, looking at him and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to run at the park or lift you up or do any of these things. Like, I have to do something for myself. So the conversation didn't go well. I appreciate it now 
looking back at it, I'm like, you know, he was just there to support me and help me. Um, and he goes to the gym. So I would see him like making games and, and working out. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here on the couch. I should probably do something. Um, but I think it was more of like my son motivating me. To and you have more than it. one kiddo now, don't you? No. Oh, I could have sworn no. I've seen in your, I could have sworn I've seen in your like Instagram that you've got more <laughs> than one kid running around your house. I have a lot of nieces. Oh, okay. I, I babysit a lot. Okay. So, but no, I, where I do you find time parents. for babysitting? Because every time I see your story, you're she's like, always at the gym. You're, I say she's, she's, you're either like, you're either like at the gym, you're, you're finishing up a homework thing before you go to the gym, yeah. or you're like watching kids, and then also now you're like working. Like you, do you, are you like Hormoni Granger in Harry Potter? Do you have a thing where you can go back in time yeah. or something? Yeah, you. How do you know? <laughs> how, how do you find time for all this stuff? I, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I just, I just do it you know because i know i ha- it has to get done um so like a, a normal day for me if i'm working because i work second shift so i've always and i've always worked second shift so i'm a night owl so i'm up until like four o'clock in the morning when everyone else is waking up and going to work i'm i'm going to bed you know um but i will get up in the morning times are just for me and my son so i don't do anything in the morning before i go to work i work 10 hour shifts so i'll go to work and then like 11 o'clock i'm in the gym um, I get home at like one, two o'clock in the morning. If I feel like doing my homework, I'll do it. I'll <laughs> squeeze it in and then I'm off to bed. Um, but I just, I know it has to get done, you know? So I just try to find time to get it done and squeeze it in. How, how does it work in your brain? I mean, is it like, like for me, just to give you an idea of what I'm looking for. So for me, it's like a checkbox thing of like, I got to do this and I got to do this and then I got to do this and then I can like reward myself with like something like, for instance, I like smoking a pipe as an example. Mm -hmm. So like I'll smoke a pipe at the end of the day as my like, hey, good job. You checked off your checklist. Like how's it, how's it work for you? Almost similar. I smoke hookah, which is, you know, flavored tobacco. Um, And that like is my thing at night. So I'm like, I sit down, my son's asleep and... I get the little 30 minutes. I think like one call is like a 30 minute session Mm -hmm. and that's my time to debrief. But I'm just like, okay, I have all of these things I need to get done today. Let's do it. It's a lot of grunting in between and like, okay, get it done. Like get up, get it done. Go drive wherever you need to drive, get it done. Um, But yeah, I, it's almost a similar, like you're at the end of the day, you're going to have some time to sit down and and relax. So you just work for like four tents. Is that your 40 hour week? Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. so is that, what do you have, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off or how does it work? No, no. I work, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. That would be nice. Right. Yeah. I work Wednesday through Saturday. Okay. Um, and, and most Saturdays it's actually like 15 hours. Um, cause I stay later to help out cause it's a, like we work with individuals. So if, if one of my clients is having a behavior, then I have to stay and help. Um, so I'm there 15 hours and then I go to the gym. Then I go home. <laughs> is it a, is that an hourly thing? You do that hourly or? Am I paid yeah. hourly? I'm salary. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that 15 hours, you're only getting paid for 10. Yeah. <laughs> See, that that's like how you know you like love love the work that oh, you do. Yeah. yeah. So wh- I guess what kind of drove you to that kind of work? I know uh, we're kind of bouncing around subjects, but. Um, I've always had, um, like my heart's always been with like special needs kids, like autism in general, I had a cousin that was, that had autism. Um, so I've always been drawn to that and helping people. Um, and when I started there, um, there's different levels, but I was like a direct care staff. So I helped them 
learn things and, and help them. Most of them, you're helping them, like, learn how to independently shower on their own or use the bathroom or say something, use their speech devices, because a lot of them are nonverbal. Um, and it just, you know, as I work there longer, like, you grow connections. And all of the kids that I work with, I really, really love. Um, so I've been there 16 years. So I just, I just love what I do. I love helping them. You know, and I know a lot of people can't do it or won't want don't want to do it um, because the the side that I work on it's more physically demanding. Like these kids need help managing their own behavior, so if they get upset, they might hit me or bite me or pull my hair, and I have to physically manage that. So, have you found that's easier since doing strongman? Yeah. <laughs> do you have oh, like do yeah. you have like the Vulcan grip or they just like fall to the ground or what? <laughs> I wish. No. <laughs> but it, strongman has definitely helped me and and back in the day when I first started they'd be like where's the guys? We need someone strong to like if we had to pick someone up to move them. Um, and now they're like, where's Rachel? <laughs> oh, Rachel's here for this page? Oh, she's strong. I just imagine you brushing your shoulders off as you're walking up. <laughs> I'm like, stop calling me. No. <laughs> well, so you, you say you moved from the basically like the direct care and now you're a supervisor. So kind of what are your duties now? Yeah, so I supervise a residential group home. It has 12 students in there and they live there all year round. Um so I have 12 students. I have right now like 16 staff and we have weekday and weekend shifts. So two different shifts. Um, and I just help them. I help them, my staff, like be able to do their jobs, get paperwork done and all that other boring stuff that you have to do as a supervisor. Um, but mainly like supporting my staff and, and for them to be able to teach the kids what they need to teach them. So. Do you have a pretty high turnover rate with your staff. Yeah. 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 I could imagine. Yeah, it, I mean it's a physically demanding yeah. job and and to tell someone who's like 18 or 19 like you're going to get hit, you're going to get spit on, all, all these things are going to happen and have to explain like these kids don't most people will take that personal. Mm-hmm. Like this kid hates me and it's like no, they don't know how to manage their emotions, you know. It's hard for people to understand that. So we do get a lot of turnover. Yeah. That sounds uh, very similar to what Heather did when she was at the school. Mm-hmm. Like she, she worked in what they called the pride room. And that was where mm-hmm. all of the kids like the uh, autistic and nonverbal and all that, that she worked, she worked with all of them. And she actually said she, she loved the kids. She said the people that she worked with was kind of the tough part. Um, yeah. and so she said she really liked it, but she, she doesn't <laughs> do it anymore. But hearing her talk about it and, you know, visiting that and been through training on that kind of stuff, like it's definitely a calling. Like, oh yeah. You know, some people will say like, oh, I could never do what you do. And like, you know, obviously it's something that, you know, you have to love and you have to be really invested in. And especially if you're spending 15 hours a day there, it sounds like you definitely are. Yeah. And so what's the plan with uh, with the degree now? I mean, what? Uh, I think just to move over like my psychology department or something, do something more with it. Because at some point I'm not going to be able to physically manage that. You know, I'm not I'm going to be older and I can't take a hit or, or something like that. So. Just to have a plan B. Like, okay, when I physically can't do this anymore and I can't give 100% to these kids, like, I want to be able to at least help them in programming and writing IEPs and, and different things like that. So so how does somebody goal. how does somebody come into your program? Like, how does that work? Like, student-wise? Yeah. Um, so most of them are sent from, like, their district. So 
we don't have a lot of Kansas kids. Um, even though we're we're located in Kansas, a lot of them come from like Chicago or or California or different huh. states like that. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's mostly because their school districts can't handle their behaviors, hmm. so then they get sent to and they're there until I think the age of twenty two is when they age out. Oh wow! How, yeah. And you said there are twenty some or twelve. Right now has sixty eight residential students. In like one facility or multiple it's facilities? A big, it's a big campus. So like a college campus, mm-hmm. think about a college campus and mm-hmm. different dorms. Um, right now we have 10 different residential group homes. So, so how's something like that funded? Sorry, I'm nerding out. I'm nerding out right now. My, I don't my know. I don't get paid that much. To know. <laughs> well, I didn't know. It, I didn't know if it was something like, say, you know, my my child was autistic. If I wanted them to go there, I had to like pay a tuition, or if that was tax funded or grant funded, or um. So there is a waiting list of students that can come in, um, but most of the time, from what I understand, the districts pay for them to come. Oh, okay. Because they can't education. They can't. Um, they don't have serve this. them yeah. in their own. Like states, um, there's no facilities in their states or their school districts, then the school district has to pay for them to go somewhere else to get their educational needs. So there's not a lot of these in the country, then, these group homes like this? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> See, there you go. Just open, there's your next calling. You just open up a bunch of them nationwide. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I know on the adult side, so once they turn 22, they go into adult placements. It's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a lot of placements because most of our kids will go back to their home states and live in, like, an adult facility for the rest of their lives. And and that's hard, Mm -hmm. especially with COVID because a lot of places aren't taking in clients or don't have an – like, we have a high turnover rate, so there's not a lot of staff coming in. Um, So it's tough. Yeah, Um, I'm sure – and always having to retrain new people and um... yeah, so I'm kind of with Heather. It's it's the people, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough. It really is, especially like I said, we get a long a lot of younger people coming in, um, eighteen, nineteen year olds, and most of our our students are between like sixteen and twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, so having to explain like this is not a personal attack on you, like they don't understand, and having to get them to understand that. Um, but once you build a connection and you find that student that really like tugs at your heart, like it's it it gets a lot easier, mm-hmm. and then you realize like this is what I'm here for. I'm here to help these kids. How so. long does it take to usually foster something like that? I mean, because I'm assuming you, I mean, the little bit I've done, like I, I played Uno one time at mm-hmm. a table, and you know it was it's definitely like very repetitive of like you know don't take other people's cards or it's not your turn to draw a card or you know things like that that. You know, for me, I take for granted, you know, I just sit down at a table and play Uno with my kids and we kind of understand the rules. Mm-hmm. So when you're working through that process, like how, how long does it take you to kind of, you know, build those relationships and stuff like that to, to really, you know, get to know them? I would say most of our staff will find a connection with a student within the first month. Um, so like they go through a training process where they're just like watching us do the job. Um, and they'll usually they'll be like, oh, I like this student or I like that student. And they kind of gravitate towards that student. Um, but it's not I wouldn't say it's necessarily like the task that we're teaching them. So that that is tedious, like showing them how to shower, showing them how to play a game. It's more of like when that student makes eye contact with you who, and they've never made eye contact with anyone. 
you know, it's those little moments Mm -hmm. when they come and grab your hand or give you a hug or things like that. Um, I think that's when people start realizing like, oh, this is what I love to do. Like it's this moment. It's not that they, they can do this or they can turn the card over, but it's the fact that he looked at me or he comes to me every single time. So do you find that, um, uh, like, like students and staff both, like they kind of have their people and, oh, yeah. and do you guys use that to your advantage of if, if you know, there's maybe a tough task or something like that, do you use that to say like, Hey, I know you have a good rapport with this person. Like, can you go help them or how, how does that work? Yes. Yeah. We try not to, um, just because we know that these kids will go to adult placements and then they won't, they won't oh. have us. So we want them to be able to work with Makes different sense. people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but we definitely do. We do use that as our advantage. Like, oh, we have to teach Timmy how to play cards. He really loves you. He really hates cards. So maybe you should yeah. you should try it first, and then we'll all try it after you. Yeah. Well, so uh, speaking of processes and jumping around to welcome to my brain, um, how, <laughs> how how does the how does the process like with Top Crop and your strongman go? Like, how how was the training? Like you were talking about, uh, I, I noticed after. Um, uh, was it a Christmas one? Is that the last contest there's been? Am I trying to blink? That's the last one? Okay. The last one I did, yeah. And so, like, you were like, when you're the only person not deloading because you just, like, went back in. So, how, I guess, how does the, like, for us. Everybody we, else did uh, Pound Town. Mostly everybody did Pound oh, yeah, Town. Oh, yeah. Pound Town. That's right. Yeah. Um, she was a judge, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, moving up in society. I know. The strong, the I didn't strong want to be a society. judge. I got forced to be a judge. <laughs> I was like, I don't want anyone yelling at me, you know? And Maya's like, no, come over here. Here's a clipboard. I was like, okay. You're going to look professional. On the job <laughs> training. <laughs> I'll do it. But um, so like, you know, like, we'll, like right now, we just finished up kind of a, a bodybuilding quote unquote mm-hmm. circuit where, you know, we do the more lower weight kind of higher rep and then now we move into quote unquote specific prep or now we're moving more of the motions of the actual things we're going to be competing in. And then we kind of move into like a competition phase where we actually basically mini competitions Mm -hmm. throughout the, I mean, how do you all do your training? Um, so right now we're on a block for cancer strongest man, which is next month. Um, so we're all hitting that. It's like a eight week program. Um, most of the time strongman Sundays is for like our event trainings, so, like, today we did sandbag, and I can't remember what else we did today, but we did some Circus event dumbbell. trainings. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Things like that. Um, and then during the week, it's a lot of building. So, mm-hmm. in this program, like, tomorrow I'll have a heavy squat day. I'll have a heavy deadlift day this week. I'll have a heavy circus dumbbell day. Um, and we'll do that for six to eight weeks. Um, and then the week before the comp, we train like that Monday and Tuesday, and then we'll deload that week. We carb load the night before, and then we compete, and then we'll deload again before we jump into the next block. The next block, yeah. So most of our training is focused towards competitions. So what uh what do you do personally as far as like supplementation, food, that kind of stuff, water, etc. <sighs> I'm bad at that. Well, I don't know. I just I'm just going off of your Instagram here because your story one day was like you meal prepping for the week and yeah. you were using like a blackstone or you know something similar yeah, yeah, yeah. to like cook all your steak and some everything. Weeks so I'm really good at it. Some weeks I'm really bad. So I'm the thank same you. way. Yeah, it's hard. I Nobody would have ever known if you hadn't said none. You should have just been like, I'm perfect. Like that's I'm what perfect. You're doing. <laughs> I do everything perfectly. Um, 
Yeah, so I can work out for like four hours in the gym, no problem. It's I lose track in the gym actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to nutrition, I'll be really on it, and then like Saturday comes, and I'm so boggled down with work, I'm just grabbing what's at, whatever's yeah. in front of me, whatever's easiest. Yeah. And throwing it in my mouth, and I'm like, Ooh. yeah. McDonald's is half a block that way, and we hit that a lot on the way out of town. <laughs> McDonald's or Casey's for breakfast in the morning, or breakfast and lunch. Or, yeah, until yeah. he has to cut weight, and then it's quinoa and like tuna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's most of the girls, to be honest. No, um, so I'm actually working on my nutrition with my. Um, so when I started Strongman, I sat around like two ninety three hundred. When I very, very first started and then I, I got down to 275 with just training with my and all the cardio she makes me do. Um, and then I jumped on a nutrition program because I'm like, I'm not, I need to be somewhere else. I need to get lower in body uh, fat. Um, and it is a struggle. It's a roller coaster. So sometimes you're really on it and you're losing weight and you're like prepping and doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do. And then you just, I just lose it. I'll be like. Mm, maybe a cheeseburger today. Some french fries. Yeah. Oh, you I had the cheeseburger? Let's add some chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, but, it, but the cool thing is, is it's not like when you did that, that all of your progress just goes away. Right. I think a lot of people get there mentally where it's like, well, I screwed it up. Now I'm done. Yeah. It's like, no, no, mm-hmm. just, just jump back on the horse. It's no yeah. big deal. Like you can just get back to it. Like you're not going to put on 500 pounds because you ate. Exactly. A cheeseburger and fries. Like, just get back on the horse. Like, yeah. you rewarded yourself. Good good job. Keep going. I, I, I can that. relate a little bit to, like, losing yourself a little bit, you know, in your relationship. And, like, because two years ago, I was, when I played college football, I played my senior year at 275. Mm-hmm. I was a pretty solid 275 then. And then I didn't lift for, like, two years after football. And I got fat. All I did was lift <laughs> keystones and beer cans and... I was pretty chunky. Got to the gym. I ended up losing. I got down to like 215 last summer. Wow. And then um, I ended up making it all the way back up to 240 around Christmas time. (laughs) So I went through a roller coaster this (laughs) last year. a roller coaster. Yeah. And I'm back down to like 225 is where I'm hanging out right now. That's kind of where I want to stay, but. Yeah, my goal is 225 to sit there and compete mm-hmm. at that and see how I do. Um, I sit around 250, 245 right now. Yeah. Um, and thankful for Mai because she's so patient because she'll be like, how did you do? And I'm like, hmm, I did really well the first four days. And then I had some Pringles and then I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it is. I mean, you, you do so well and then you just make that one little exception and then it just. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's downhill. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's. Also, I think a lot of people have a misconception when it comes to the nutrition of like, I've got to eat salad every day. And then eventually you end up like, then your body's like, no, God, please give me a hamburger. Like I, not because I want one, but because I need one. (laughs) And, and so, uh, it's good to have, you know, you have a resource to kind of help you through that because I think a lot of people don't, I mean, I know I don't. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of eat whatever I want because obviously I'm, you know, I'm not getting to 225, (laughs) which is not happening, but, uh, uh, you know, and plus I'm more in it for the long game than going to nationals, you know, that kind of thing like you are. But when it comes to the mental game, like how do you, how do you feel, how do you feel the mental game is with this? Like, is, is that probably the toughest part that nutri- it is the riffing for or, nutrition? I mean, just all of it around nutrition, uh, everything. Like how's the mental game feel for you? Strong. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty focused. Like if I, except for nutrition. Let me plug that in. <laughs> <laughs> nutrition. Put an asterisk next to that one. <laughs> I'm not that focused on. Um, and I think it's cause like I, I don't want to be skinny. Like I want to be strong and, and, um, in my head, I'm like, well, I'm strong right now, so we don't need to really focus on that. I do. <laughs> my, don't kill me. I do. I'm going to focus on it. Um, but when it comes to, like, competing and stuff and training, like, I'm I'm sharp. Like, before a competition and as I'm training, I look at who I'm competing against, and then I, I stalk them. I'm like, what are you good at? Like, Felicia? I was like, oh, she's good at overhead. Okay, she's going to beat me in this event, but I'm going to get her here. Like, mm-hmm. I can get her on speed or I can get her on something. Like, like I will just watch, you know, their Instagram or, or whatever else, social media they're posting at. And I just try to formulate a game plan. And then I focus on that. Like, okay, I'm good at overhead, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really focus on that and hit that. So I'm really, like, driven. What do you find are your best events, best lifts? Or the, maybe the ones you like the best. Or favorite, yeah. Stones. I like stones. Um, log. Anything overhead. I like powerlifting. I like bench. Bench has always been my favorite lift. Like in high school, I was doing like 135. So I'd walk into the gym, like the little high school gym. And I'd be like, mm, move aside. Like, let me do this. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, my God. Now I'm like, 135 is nothing. <laughs> Compared to what some other girls are doing. But, yeah, I've always – I'm really good at overhead stuff. I hate deadlifts. I, I think I say it all every week. Like, I hate deadlift anything, like, deadlift-related or pulling. Like, I, I suck at it. So. I noticed the last wagon wheel one you were doing. Like, you – those last couple of reps, you were just like, oh, like, <laughs> I'd rather be dead right now than doing this. Yeah, and I wanted to quit. And um, Ashley and Paige, some other team members, they were just repping it out. Like, it was nothing. And they trained last year for nationals, so they have a, more of an advantage than I do, I, I want to think. Um, so they were just repping it out like it was nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> if I pull this one more time, I'm going to die. And I'm like, pull it! <laughs> <gonna> fall over. <laughs> yeah. I feel that same way about Nate, you know, because it used to be, like, to the point where, you know, he and I were – yeah, you know, we're decently close. You've always been a little stronger. But it's just like you just leaps and bounds because like you talked about with that mental game, like his is just a lot sharper than mine. Mm-hmm. And he also pushes himself further. But it's just uh and I feel that same way sometimes. Like I, I just kinda had the epiphany with myself the last what week or two of just like, dude, you just can't do this. Like you <laughs> you're not gonna be able to keep up with this. Like just just do you you know, like my goals, deadlifting when I'm like 80, like yeah. that's my goal. So like, that's what I'm focused on. Like just keep moving, stay in the gym, do that kind of yeah. stuff. It helps that I'm like 10 years younger than you. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of the things of like, I'm naturally competitive. Like I want to beat you. Mm-hmm. I really genuinely want to kick your ass. <laughs> um, and and, and it, it grates me when I can't. <laughs> So we just got to find something. Like, I think I could beat you at, like, um, like sandbag over bar or something like that. I think I'd get you. Just because I'm, like, three feet taller than you. But yeah. that's about it. I've never really messed with sandbags. So I actually, uh, in Kansas Strongest last year, Marcus beat me. Really? Uh, but, uh, yeah. Marcus is it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> to be well, honest. Well, it's like, he was doing, he did a, during that contest, he was doing a, the sandbag. And this is my, that would have been my second time meeting mm-hmm. him. And, um, he was like, he was like doing the cool runnings, like one for the money, two for the show. And then he was like, 
come on, Marcus. It's like sandbag throw time. I don't even remember oh, what he wow. did. He made a flow. He made a flow so much better than I did. But it just was hilarious because he had to get it to beat me. And then he did it. And I, and I just like squeaked it by on that free, free previous one. And I was just like, man, I'm like, I'll try it. But I'm like, ugh, you know, and he, he ended up beating me. But it was, uh, that'd probably be like my favorite. I really like, like, yeah, I really I like doing it. that. <laughs> I suck at that too. But I will tell you, when you talk about wanting to quit, um, we were doing the, the, um, bench press and that's just like an awful lift for me. Really? Absolutely awful. You don't like it either? Uh, I'm not a bench guy either. <laughs> and, uh, you guys are breaking and... my heart. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably bench more than me. And so, um, uh, I, I legit like I, I was in tears and like racked the bar and was like Felicia like I can't do this because yeah. it's always been a struggle for me and uh and like wanted to quit as well but I was just like no you know like she yeah. didn't even give me the opportunity like I like, I just like told myself like you know if you do this like you're, it's gonna be easy to do from here on out oh yeah. yeah and keep going so I'm definitely not as mentally sharp when it comes to the gym <laughs> side of things um you we know. all have our moments oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gosh, did I this last week and like right now my shoulder, my left shoulder's hurting. Like that's that why I keep was me like Wednesday this. actually. Oh. I had the roughest like gym session. It was like circus dumbbell and at Kansas Strongest we're doing ninety five pounds for reps. And I can hit that. No problem. Wednesday it was not going up. So in my head I'm like, this has to be hundred and five pounds. I took it to the scale. No, it was not. It was <laughs> and I text Maya, I'm like, I can't do this. Like I'm taking a deload because I haven't deloaded since the December comp, actually. And I was like, I need to listen to my body and, and give myself some time. So And did you do that? I did. Seemed to be responding. People actually had to force me to do that. Because the next day I'm like, No, I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna go at least do cardio. And they're like, No, go home. Like, just go home. Um, so I took three or four days off. And today we went kind of light. Um, and it, it helped a lot. Yeah. So well, you got to listen to your body. What's your deload cycle normally like after a contest? Um, it's just a week. Yeah, yeah. We deload for a week. That's what we do. Um, well, that's what I do. That's what he does. But <laughs> I mean, I still go to the gym, but I don't like. I'm not gonna go max or anything yeah. like that. I'm Dude, just my fat ass. He's like, my fat home. ass stays home and I enjoy. <laughs> Except, yeah. Yeah. So my kicks is out at least the first three days. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see you in the gym at all. And then that third or fourth day, she's like, you can come in and do cardio, but don't do anything else. Um, do we listen? Not all the time. Yeah. No. Um, but most most times we we try to listen. They got the cameras. They know. I know. I see them post about it on their Instagram. (laughs) Like after a comp, you're so like pumped up. I'm like, oh, let's max out on everything. Like I can hit this. And no, you can't. You should deload. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's cool to see that, you know, that's part of your coaching because, you know, hearing Felicia's story, that was not part of her coaching. You know, it was basically just like run yourself into the ground until you, you know, even for her intentionally hurting yourself to get that deload time. Yeah. And so it's cool to hear that, you know, you guys are, are focused on that. So, like, what's what's your long game with all of the, the strongman contest stuff? Um, I just take it year by year. Yeah. So, I, of course, I want to compete for a long time. Yeah. I think I even tell Felicia because she's talking about, like, going to Masters. I'm like, oh, I'm right behind you. Like, I cannot <laughs> wait to get to the Masters. <laughs> I got a couple more years, but I can't wait. Um, But, like, I just take it year by year. So this year I was really focused on, like, nationals. And going to nationals just to have the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, in my head, I'm not like, oh, you're going to get first place or second place or third place. Like, I just want to have that experience. Um, 
and then next year we'll go from there. Like I just take it year by year. So you are going this year then? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try it. Yeah. We're going to see what happens. I'm yeah, the same way. I just want to, I just want to see what it's like. Yeah. I'm a zero on the deadlift. My opening deadlift is 620 and mm, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be there. <laughs> I'm right with you. I think mine's is 400. Yeah. And I'm not even, my deadlift sucks. So I'm not even close. Well, I'm a little close. I'll give myself some credit. Like I'm a little close, but I have no expectations. Like I just want the experience because mm-hmm. last year, I could have went and I didn't. Um, and I'm like, dang, I really missed out on an experience there. So, did you go to, uh, is it, uh, Nikita, Nikita's seminar? I can't remember if you were there or not. Uh, yes, for I for did. Midwest? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, you remember what she said about when she went to the Arnold mm-hmm. or whatever? Like she zeroed like what, one or two events or something like yeah. that and still, and still placed. placed. Yeah. So, you never know. You just got to focus, I, mean, I think, on your strong points. Yeah. I got to look in it. Like my weight class at nationals, and there's there's almost a hundred people in my <laughs> weight class. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> we made the mistake of looking the other day, and I'm like, oh my gosh! How many are so in your many. class? There's like eight girls, but like compared to like local comps, like I've only competed it. The most I've competed against was three other people, you know. Except for our first our first ever one in Salina, they like bunched all the middleweight, heavyweight, and super heavyweights together. But I don't really. I'm going to count that one. Um, but most people in my weight, like super heavyweights, there's only like one or two girls, you know? So it's eight girls. They actually split it into two different weights. So it's 242 and above super heavyweight and 242 and under. So we'll see. I saw that, that well, they split middleweight too. And it was, there was like 45 and the 198 and below and then almost 100 and the 220. And I'm it's, like. Yeah, now that COVID's gone, everybody's like, let's sign up and let's do it. Because last year, there was not that many people signed mm-hmm. up. So, Where was it at last year again? It was up in the northeast still, wasn't it? I think so. I can't remember. I thought it was drivable this last... No, that was um, the uh, Women's I want to think it was... Women's World, yeah. I want to think it was like in the Illinois, Minnesota kind of area. Minnesota, maybe. Sounds right. in Minnesota yeah. Yeah. So, um, you got it. I don't know. I that, I look at those weights and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah, one of them, um, the stone to shoulder for me, it's it's 250, no tacky, just chalk for reps. I'm, I'm like, looking at that going, uh, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could do it with tacky, but not for reps. So I think, I thought mine might have been, it's 275 or 300. I mean, it's it's crazy. It is. I don't think I've ever put a stone to my shoulder, to be honest. Really, yeah. I love that. Actually, it's fun. I've never done it either. I don't think I have. Felicia, we've we've loaded them at your. Tell Felicia to make you do it. It's, well, we have stones. We could do it. Just do it. Now that it's warming up, we can finally start going back out to your barn. <laughs> we've got a little thirty by forty shed that we have some strongman equipment in, like stones, and we got a squat rack and a deadlift platform, and that's, oh, that's where cool. who's fell stones at. And that kind well, of we stuff. kind of had the thought process of like if the whole Rona thing happens again with something else, and yeah. they shut everything down, we're like, we can still go here, yeah, and get everything done that we want to get done. And yeah. go whenever we want, you know, within reason. So that was kind of our thought process with it. We sold some shirts kind of like y'all were in the beginning to pay for the stones, which I think Felicia kind of bore most of that burden because we, we sold some shirts. <laughs> we sold some shirts and everything, but there was there was a lot of stones there. Um, cool. And those things aren't cheap at all. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so how many do you have on the Team Sturdy Bitch? Like kind of, kind of explain 
how that became happen. a fruit, how that came to fruition. Because that's a relatively that was you guys were drinking margaritas when you came up with that, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs> um, so actually, that started because my would have I told you like my would have us do. She has us do crazy cardio, and I'd be like, I'm fat. Like, I don't know what you expect from me, but I'm fat. I'm not doing that. And she'd be like, no, you're sturdy. You're sturdy. You're an athlete. You're a sturdy bitch. Like, you can get it done. Um, And then it stuck with the team. Like, everybody was using sturdy um, as a way to describe themselves. Um, And then we started selling T-shirts. Jessica actually was the one that came up with that first T-shirt run. Um, And it was so popular with all the strong women. Um, and it's just kind of stuck, you know, since then, but we've grown a lot. So when we first started in Strongman, there was probably four girls. Um, it was me and Lizzie and then Paige was actually working with Orlando. Um, and Jessica was working with Austin, some other coaches in the gym. Um, and then we ended up coming together. There's only like four or five of us. And now there's like 20 something girls either at top crop or online like training so we've grown a lot but it started because i kept calling myself fat (laughs) that's the story (laughs) 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 and now it's a powerful term Mm -hmm. yeah and so uh so who who is like who made the ringleader yeah (laughs) oh man putting you on blast it's it's, it's recorded remember (laughs) other other than my (laughs) i would say me Paige, lizzie um we kind of run the show um as far as like the social media and putting everything out there i run the tiktok lizzie runs the instagram Paige comes up with a lot of ideas on like content and shirt like we have like 20 something shirt ideas right now because Paige is like well what about this shirt what about this shirt (laughs) we have stickers now because of Paige like she comes up with a lot of ideas so we we're kind of like the masterminds behind all of it and I think the goal is just to like get people to see that women can do awesome things you know you don't have to go to the gym and 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 lift light because you're scared to be manly you know go in there and and rip out 135 you know um and when we started the tiktok actually we got a lot of more exposure and people were like you guys are lifting cars and stones and in my head i'm like that wasn't even heavy like compared yeah. to the yeah. pros like yeah, yeah. you guys think this is great yeah. like, just exactly. wait <laughs> exactly this is when people are like oh you're you're strong and i'm like nah nah not at all you not should see all. what other people can do because no not exactly even close. yeah and i always go into like pound for pound too i'm like <clears throat> okay you see me benching whatever 225 or, or deadlifting 385 but i'm heavy you know pound for pound that's that's a good lift but like someone like my who's like a buck 20 deadlifting 320 it's like yeah that's crazy yeah. <laughs> like that's insane that's what i get with him and i'm just like dude like I have you, I have 120 pounds of body weight on you. Yeah, and you're whipping my ass at pretty much everything. Yeah, that's what I say to Ashley and Paige. I'm like, you guys are like 100 pounds, you know, under me, and y'all are killing me. So I need to step my game up. Well, and watching y'all's journey has been cool. I mean, because the the first time I remember at the first contest seeing you, Paige, and Lizzie. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the ones I can remember mm-hmm. at least off the top of my head. And watching your journey, because I don't necessarily, like, I, I watch your story just because it comes up. Yeah. Um, but I don't really do the whole, like, watching other people's things. I just kind of do my own thing. Um, yeah. But uh, and it's just a personal thing. 
but seeing so for me the journey is every time i go to a contest and seeing like i see how like your bodies have changed or how your lifts are going or how much you're lifting more than you were not to mention just confidence levels too because i remember the first contest with you you know i remember there was some (laughs) apprehensiveness i mean i could definitely i could definitely (laughs) see that but now when you like step up on a platform you definitely have that like i got this you know so i mean i could definitely see that that change in that that mental game when it comes to that so have you always had that focus like that or is that something that's come with time? It's definitely come with time, especially in strongman. Um, it's funny that you said that because the first contest, um, I walked in and in basketball, you hate, you, you're like, my mindset was like, I don't like the other team. Like we're going to demolish them. Like we're going to kill them. They are the enemy. <laughs> like that was my mindset. Mm-hmm. So I see Felicia walk in and I'm like, oh my God. Gosh, she's gonna kill like she is huge. She's gonna murder like she's gonna she's gonna sweep the competition. And I was like, she's probably mean and like in my head I was yeah. making up things and here she comes, like all bubbly and like give you guys call them Jesus hugs. Yep, that's yeah. exactly what they are. And I'm not a hugger like I am now because of strong man. But yeah. she came up and she's like, Oh, like so supportive. So it was totally opposite of what I thought. Um but that definitely came with just doing more competitions and meeting people and, and being in the sport. Um, that's kind of where all of that's come from. The confidence being surrounded by people that support you and like cheer you on. It definitely helps a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. And, and the thing I like about it too is, is that it's not just like powerlifting. Basically you go in bench, deadlift, squat, bench, yeah. deadlift, squat, bench, deadlift, squat. I mean, I'm sure there's probably other renditions of that. Cause I know, wasn't it Ted that was telling us that there was a powerlifting thing that he did that they did like curls curls yeah that's oh, what it really? was and so anyway I can only imagine what the form ago when the, he was doing those oh, okay. I can only imagine what the form on a curls like oh right. you didn't go down far enough like <laughs> try again but um I like it how it, it's different like there's some of the same right because deadlift mm-hmm. kind of seems to always be a theme yeah pressing something over your head kind of always a theme but like how you do it. Oh, yeah. Um, cause for me personally from shoulder injuries, like pressing over my head is not a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And especially after the contest is really not a fun experience. So it's kind of nice to be able to sometimes maybe not do log yeah. where I could do a circus dumbbell and do it with my left hand instead of my right hand yeah. where my shoulder hurts. So it's kind of nice to be able to just do other things and try other things. And plus some people come up with like the craziest contraptions or things that you're going to try. And you have the flexibility in the sport to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. And you can pick and choose which contest you want to do, you know? It's like, oh, I don't want to do Who's Fell Carry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm done with Who's Fell. Man, I love, I'm not going to lie, I loved Husa. Husa was fun. Kansas Strongest Man, um, or no, Midwest Strongest Man, Mm -hmm. when I was training to do, I think it originally was supposed to be like 275. Mm -hmm. That killed me. I was like, oh, my God. When he and I first picked that up, yeah, we were the same way. We were like, there's no way. Yeah. We, we we literally looked at each other and we both were like, "There's no way." And he was like, "Yeah, no, there's no way. Like Mine we're never going to be able to do 350 this." Three fifty, and like I could I could barely pick up three hundred. Yeah, like my back was just killing me the whole time we did those whose fell carries. I mean, it just smoked it every time. Yeah, it was brutal. And then they changed the weights, and I'm like. Okay. I yeah. trained for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that weight and I was like, oh, that's manageable. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up doing like 250 feet with it. So uh, I really I really enjoyed that only because I was good at it. So, you know. <laughs> but there are other things that I'm not good at that I don't like. Like I'm not going to lie, the um, the deadlift at um, Kansas Strongest is mm-hmm. in my head right now. Yeah. 
the other stuff I can do, but I've never done a wagon wheel that heavy. Mm-hmm. So I know it's just a touch What's easier. Your five five fifty oh. for reps. And you know, right now my my max from the floor is five hundred. Mm-hmm. So I'm like Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if that's I can get I it am. like one, like maybe if I just don't zero this stage, like maybe <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm, I know I'm not going to be pulling no eight or 10 right. or anything like that. So yeah, I'm competing against um, Paige and Ashley, some of my other team members um, in the pro class. And they kind of help set the weight for that. So I'm always like, thanks for setting the weight so high. <laughs> <laughs> like it's 450. And I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm not even, I haven't pulled 400 off the ground yet. You know, my deadlift sucks that bad. Um, so I'm just like, hmm, y- y'all can have that one. <laughs> I'm going to get y'all on the circus dumbbell, but y'all can have that one. <laughs> so um, just to kind of backpedal a little bit, um, actually quite a lot of it. So you talk about like the, the struggling with like the infertility and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what was, what was that journey like as far as for you? I mean, I know a lot of people... I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I know people that struggle with this stuff. And so just like, what was the journey like, you know, for you of, you know, growing through that? Um, so I started out, I was really embarrassed actually. In the I think beginning. it is a topic that like, it's almost taboo and like yeah. embarrassing and no one wants to talk about it and yeah. bring up the topic. Cause everybody's like, well, why don't you have a kid? You know, when are you, when are you guys having kids? And I'm like, mm. well, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and. Better be glad I'm not a strong man. I beat you up right now. <laughs> if I was back then. I probably <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it started off really embarrassing. And then I just, I was like, you know, at this point, I, I had some other friends that had kind of dealt with some other things like that. Um, supported me and, and it was long. It was a lot of like fertility treatment. So for a year I went through, um, like different shots and different medications to try to become fertile. Um, and it wasn't taking, and it was, I think that's actually when I started to lose myself a lot. Cause I was just like, I can't have a child. And me and my husband, we weren't married at the time, but I was like, you know, if I can't give you a child, like I'm okay with us being separate. Like we, I can't give you what you want. You know, and those conversations are really hard, mm-hmm. especially when you love someone that much. Um, so it was a long journey. I lost myself a lot. I was depressed a lot. Um, and after the year, so the first two years, it was just a lot of trying. So you have to try for a full year before, like, doctors will start doing, like, medications. And you go to different doctors for, like, sonograms to try to figure out what the heck is wrong with you. Um, so the first year was just a lot of trying. And then the second year, it was a, like a lot of doctor's visits. Okay. You have a sonogram. You have to, we're going to try to diagnose you with something. We're going to try to figure it out. And they would always be like, well, nothing's wrong. And I'm like, well, obviously something. Exactly. I should have had 12 babies by now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then that third year is when I started like fertility treatment. So, they put me on like a lot of estrogen because I have a higher testosterone level um, and a lot of giving myself shots and oral medications. And I got tired of it. I was like, you know, at this point, I'm done. Like a year of trying. And in my mind, I'm like, this is three years of trying. It's obviously not meant for me. You know, um, we can go our separate ways. And then when I stopped stressing out about it, boom, 
I was like, really? That's all I had to do? <laughs> Why didn't anybody tell me this sooner? Yeah, so I took myself off all the medicines. I stopped going to my doctor's appointments because I was so stressed out. I mean, it's it's hard, you know, because everyone in society tells you, like, you're supposed to grow up and you're supposed to have babies and you're supposed to get married and, and do all that other stuff. And I'm like, well, I can't do any of that, you know? I can't I can't have a child for anyone, you know? Um, so when it finally did happen, I was like... I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I'm going to eat everything. I'm going to savor every moment. And I actually hated pregnancy. Once I got <laughs> pregnant, I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, they don't tell you a lot of things. Like, this is not for me. I never, <laughs> like, people now, they're like, you're going to have another child. I'm like, no. Absolutely not. I do not want to be pregnant again. I do not want to go through that again. Um, but, yeah, it was a long journey. At the end of it. Um, that's when I started getting my, more confident and talking to other people and realizing like there's a lot of other women that go through that that don't want to share their stories because it's so hard. I would say it's probably more common than not, honestly. Oh, yeah. someone, I've One of my best friends and his wife, they had a, a miscarriage and mm-hmm. they went through the same stuff. Yeah. It's and it's, it, I, I would say like probably everybody you talk to knows somebody. And, oh, yeah. 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 Well, and I would assume that through that process that they weren't just trying to maybe diagnose you, but even maybe your husband as well yeah. and to see if like there was issues there too. Yeah. And so did, did it seem to have like, once you found out, I guess, forgive me if I'm using really bad terms here. I'm just trying to paint my picture <laughs> of when you found out it was like you, like mm-hmm. did, did that kind of like maybe harbor a little guilt for you? Like all this is happening because of me and you know, a little like, bit. yeah, yeah. I kind of knew in the back of my head, like it was me cause I don't know how to say this, like, politely. I was a hoe back in the day. So I was like, hmm, not, nev- nothing, never, you, you, yeah. never, like, that didn't click for me. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of knew, like, I kind of knew it was me. But when they solidified it, I'm like, wow, like, this is, and I, I love my husband. So I'm like, this is the reason, like, we're not going to be able to, to keep going because he really wanted kids. And I respect that. I think every mm-hmm. relationship, you know. Um, so I was like, you know, but he stood by me that whole time. Um, and he's like, yeah, no, we're going to keep trying. So well, good for him. Yeah. But he was, it's funny you bring that up. Cause he was like, hmm, nothing's wrong with me. I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe it is you. Maybe it's not me. <laughs> like manly man. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, um, you know, cause, and I didn't realize how prevalent it was because, we, we used to have game nights at our house and we had a couple over that were having the same troubles. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's not something that my wife and I ever really dealt with. Um, mm-hmm. luckily, I guess. And, um, so I, I had no mental picture of what that was like or any sensitivity to what that was like. And so our kids were like running around the house acting a fool like kids do, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I just popped off like, you know, the best advice I can give you just like as a joke at the table is like, don't ever have kids. You know, and, and like the, yeah, the lady came to my wife and was like, Hey, you know, you probably should tell your husband to stop saying that stuff. And then like afterwards, I was like, Oh, I was like mortified because I was yeah. just like, that is not what I meant whatsoever. You yeah. know, so I just don't even say that shit anymore at all. But, um, you know, it's never something that has been, I guess, on, on my mental forefront when it comes to that. But it's something that I've kind of tried to learn about. That's why I wanted to ask about it just oh, yeah. to kind of, you know, and, be more educated and have the conversation. Yeah. So. And I don't, I, I don't take those things like when people, cause I know it's, it's 
we don't talk about it a lot and it's normal for people to be like when y'all having kids you yeah. know like I, it's so like I a never, conversational piece yeah, basically yeah I, I, like an know, icebreaker you brush it off but realizing like going through it and then talking to other women i'm like well it's it is really sensitive you know especially for the women that end up not like i was blessed after three years to have my son and and women don't get that there's a lot of women that don't you know and have to deal with that so do you felt that overall it like strengthened your relationship because you had been through that hardship and that tough time or was it already pretty good or i think it strengthened it it yeah. showed like i think for both of us it showed like no matter what like we're gonna be there for each other through everything like it was a dark time because i was really depressed and and he's like a goofy guy, so he tried to bring light to things. So I'm like, shut up. Like, I'm <laughs> God, so much like my wife. <laughs> you know, but it showed me like, you know, no matter what, he's going to stick by my side. So it was it was a bad experience, but it was a good experience for us. Yeah. And what's yeah. your husband's name again? Tyrone. Tyrone. Hey, yeah. Tyrone, since we're here and we're talking to you and talking about you right now, I'm sure she's already told you, but like I totally man crushing on your beard. It is beautiful. <laughs> and if like you could just like the next contest that we see each other, can you just like hook me up with some tips? You know, bring me maybe some of the balms or the you know the oils or something that you're using because that beard is a piece of artwork. Like that should be on display somewhere. Yeah, everyone loves his beard. His beard is majestic. And he's cocky, so... He's like, oh, he's gonna love it. My bad. He's gonna hey, love it. Your beard is awful. It's ne- I've never seen a worse beard in my life. <laughs> I'm just bringing it back down. Just, just bringing you. it back down a little bit. Balance. Balance. Yeah. I have to get him a bigger hat now. What, uh, yeah. what, what does he do for for work? Uh, so he actually works at Heart Spring too. He just works in the cafeteria. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's and, been there like 12 years. So how's that work? Does he work a different shift than you? Yeah, he works for a shift. Uh, I know yeah. what that's like. Work shift work. You basically see your spouse in passing. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I think. Could, that's that's interesting because has it always been that way? Where you basically yeah. been seeing each other in passing. Mm-hmm. So so you're seeing each other in passing, working shift work, and you're struggling with the 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 kiddo situation yeah. and having to try on top of that. Yeah. So he's yeah. like getting ready for bed, and you're coming home, and it's like we got it, and he's like, no, no not right exactly, now. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of like, no, no, I'm too tired. Yeah. But uh, I can't even imagine the stress that must have been too. I mean, shift work is a, is a crazy thing. Yeah, even now it's it's trying to find a balance, like our family wise, you yep. know, because um, there's not enough hours in the day. We don't have a lot of days off together. Um, so I mean, with balancing school and work and the gym, like it, it's still tough, and we we try to manage. But it's definitely, I think, going to be a long road of trying to figure that out, just because we have to be on different shifts. I don't want to spend like $900 on childcare. So yeah. I'm like, and I'd rather him be with like his father and then me. And then, so how, so. Uh, uh, how old is your kiddo? Two and a half. Um, cause I found that the thing that sucks for me. So I, I do shift work, but I rotate through all three shifts basically in three weeks. So I, I start with nights going to weekend or weekday or goodness, start with nights, mm-hmm. go into evenings. And then I work a couple day shifts and I'm on five days off to make a oh, long cool. story short. Yeah. Um, I found that the, the suckiest thing about the, the second shift, the three to 11, cause that's what I work is, you know, you go to work at three kids get out of school, like three twenty ish or whatever. So you go to work and then they come home. And then by the time you get home, kiddos are in bed. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of the, probably the, the worst part about the second shift. Um, where it's like when they get into school and they get a little older and a little more self-reliant, you don't have to worry about that daycare side mm-hmm. because Andrea and I did that a lot where, where she, her work was really cool and allowed her to kind of work when I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So we could shuffle that around. 
Um, and we were seeing each other in passing for years. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's definitely something that, like, if you find somebody that can go through that with you too, like, yeah. you, you know, you found a keeper <laughs> for sure, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I found, like, now that the kids are a little more self-reliant, because, of course, mine are much older. Mine are, like, mm-hmm. 9, 11, and 13. But uh, it, you don't have to worry about the daycare side, and then you can be like, I really want to be home during the day now. Yeah, yeah. So, and we have family that help us out, too. That's good. Uh, his aunts are a very big part of his life, but it's it's tough, yeah. But my son is not a normal child, so he's a night owl. So when I come home at, like, 1 o'clock, he's like, Mommy, <laughs> like, jumps out of bed. I'm like, why are you up? <laughs> why are you still awake? I'm still happy to see you, but... I am very happy, but... This is Mommy's hookah time. You need to go back to bed. <laughs> exactly. Now I have to wait. <laughs> so what is what has the parenting journey been like for you? I mean, as far as, like, uh, I, uh, usually most people have, like, a... And I'm not saying that this is yours, but like, I, like, I'm not going to do this that my parents did. Like, what has it been like for you? Has it been a learning experience, like a fun one, not so fun? It's a, you know, it's mixture. Very, it's been a mixture. It's been fun. There's a lot of mommy guilt, especially with like training. Cause I'm like, well, I could be at home spending time with him or doing something with him, especially like now. Cause he's learning a lot and, and saying a lot of things. And sometimes I feel like I miss out on things, you know? Um, but it's, it's definitely been a mixture. And I would say the one thing that I said, I, what, like what I learned from my parents, like my parents weren't very touchy feely. There was not a lot of, I love yous. I knew that they loved me, but there was not a lot. I love yous and hugs and things like that. Um, actually like the first time I remember like in my head, my dad hugging me, I was 18 and I was getting on a plane. And that was like, that's before then I'm like, I don't. I can't really tell you, you know, uh, my mom now is a lot of like, I love you. Like she'll tell me that now, but I forced her to learn that, you know? Um, so for my son, I smother the heck out of him. I'm like, come here, let me kiss you. Let me hug you. Like, I love you. You're going to know. This. <laughs> I would say that's the one thing that I really like. I want him to feel that, you know? Well, if there's any consolation, I mean, that, that that goes for the other side too at least like for me i mean i don't know what your your husband feels on anything but i i have a video saved to my dropbox as a little bit of a reminder to me because my wife recorded my kids in front of a birthday cake for me for my birthday singing me happy birthday because i was gone for work and and she had all the best intentions in Mm -hmm. mind right Mm -hmm. but my brain went seriously bro like you chose to go to training instead of like being with your family in this time. And they still thought of you and all that other kind of stuff. And that's like a, like, like right now I'm feeling kind of yeah. <laughs> a little anxious about thinking about that video, but it's just a, a, you know, that reminder of when you talk about the guilt side, but you know, for me, I'm, I'm also really protective of my gym time. Mm-hmm. Like if my wife's out of town, I'll answer my kids calls. Yeah. But with my wife's in town, my kids' calls don't get answered. <laughs> like if you're not if you're not if you're bleeding or turning blue, um, you're probably not calling me. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but you know, I, I I'm really protective of that, and I just want to kind of encourage you to also be protective of that because oh, yeah. I mean I think it's like Nate says it's therapy. Oh, I'm yeah. not gonna lie, yeah. it, it's it's therapy. There are times that, especially those days you go in the gym and you feel like absolute shit. Yeah. And then you go in and you murder it. And you then afterwards, you're like, I feel afterwards. so much better. Yeah. What was it we said? We never found it or never had a, a day in the gym that I regretted. Mm-hmm. It, true. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah. I have that mindset now. <laughs> Once I'm in the gym, I'm not. I'm not available. Don't call me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I figured my husband will deal with it, but he's really good at Because before, like I said, he was in the gym and he's like that. He's like, don't call me, don't text me unless you're like dying, you know, or something like that. Um, so we kind of have that respect and, and I usually don't get bothered, but I've learned that like, this is my time. That's really the only time I have to myself outside of like the 4 a.m.s. Um, because every other day it's like my son is even in the bathroom, like kicks down doors. I'm here. Like this is our space. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no time for me just by myself. So. That, that role has flipped in my house really? to where like when my kids are in the bathroom, like my, my oldest son, Eli, cause he's all about like his hair. Cause he gets dandruff a lot. Um, and his hair is unique because it's not the typical, like really coarse yeah. black. It's mm-hmm. like, it's more fluffy. Mm-hmm. And so he has a, a harder time managing it. Oh, yeah. So that kid will be in the shower for like 30, 40 minutes and then like working on his hair really? and all that, which, <laughs> which is interesting because he doesn't even give a shit about what anybody thinks about him. Like he, really? he stands up to people like his own, his own friends. Of course, I'm encouraging him to do that, but, um, but like I'm like boom kicking the door down. Hey man, you've been in here for like 40 minutes. I got a crap. This is like this is a return for what you used to do to me. You know. I'm but, waiting for this. Yeah. Yeah. You got the Instagram reels where it's like when it, when you have children, you can't shit by yourself. No. And now now it's like the the animals do that. Like the cat and the dog, they oh, do wow. that now. You have to make sure the doors like shut all the way, or else you know they're gonna be like, hey, Somebody's what you doing? Yeah. Need some help with that. Yeah. <laughs> in one way or another so what are do you have any other like hobbies or anything you do other than hookah or anything that like you enjoy doing i'm boring <laughs> the gym is like my life yeah yeah just the gym <laughs> just i understand gym. that i mean other than the gym i mean i do the cbd store and the farm mm-hmm. those are jobs hobbies i guess yeah but other than that it's work and gym <laughs> yeah family time yeah so, uh, random question. So, mm-hmm. do you guys ever have to call law enforcement ever to come out to your job site oh, to ever handle? Yeah, to ever handle anything. Um, very, ever? very, very few occasions. Yeah. We try and how do they to. handle that? I mean, to be honest, I, I want to have a, an honest conversation. Uh-huh. How do they handle it? Like the law enforcement? How does the law enforcement handle yeah. it? Um, like, how do they handle being around? Because obviously, they, you know, we don't deal. Yeah. With- so in the past, they weren't that great of interactions. Um, but in recent years, my job has done a really good job of like educating and going out to the stations around, um, that might like respond to those calls and doing education on it. Um, but in the past, like, especially when we were getting out in the community more, um, they'd be like, back up, don't touch them. And I'm like trying to explain like, no, this kid is nonverbal. He's not going to answer. And they they just didn't care. They were just gonna, you know do what they needed to do, what they're, what they're trained mm-hmm. to do. Um, and they didn't Or care. in this case, not trained to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and now it's more of like, um, they'll come in and they'll ask us like, what do you need us to do? What's the situation? Um, we get to explain a lot more. Um, so they've been more since my job has gone out and done a lot of education. It's been more, um, better experiences. I would say. Yeah, I had a chiropractor that his, his, he had two boys that had autism and they were both incredibly strong and, uh, and I don't remember if they were nonverbal or not, but they were also very violent. Um, and that was just kind of their MO. And he talked about how one time, uh, one of his sons had gone out to their car and broke every window out of the car. Like, and I'm like, even the windshield and I'm just like, 
As a law enforcement officer showing up to that, I'd be going, uh, oh, that no. dude just pulled that windshield out. Like, what am I supposed to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, like, the law enforcement, the reason I asked that question is because he said the law enforcement officer showed up and just, it was an absolute shit show. Yeah. It's very traumatizing. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. putting him in handcuffs and, and all and, that other kind of yeah. stuff. And they don't and, understand. And yeah. yeah. And so we, we have actually, we have a lady by the name of Val Lush, which would be fantastic to have on the podcast too, that, um, she deals with that. And like, she's been doing that since, like, she even, quote unquote, watched me at a daycare. Not, not that I have those issues, but she was doing, she was helping people with that even back then. And so she right. came in and kind of trained us on that stuff and it panned out, it paid off because yeah. I ended up responding to a call and it was kind of the, Hey, you deal with this kiddo more than me. And, and it was no big deal. Like he'd, he'd accidentally called 911 mm-hmm. and like hung it up. So oh. we always end up having to go and like, and so this like stressed him out like to, uh, uh, you know, of the end because yeah. we have to respond to those calls. I can't just, yeah. And at right. least in, in my jurisdiction, I can't just say, Oh, everything's fine there. I have yeah. to make sure. And, and so I was just kind of like, like knocking the door real quiet and just like, Hey, you know, is everything okay? Like, I don't have to see him, you know, if, yeah. if that would stress him out more, like if that would help, then let's do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I wouldn't force that. Like, don't yeah. you ever call 911 unless you need it, you know, or whatever. And so that training really did help him was really beneficial. Yeah, but, I think uh, more of that needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, because the thing is, we're responding and we're kind of like first on scene to like everything. Mm-hmm. And you never know what you're going to be dealing yeah. with. If yeah. it is somebody with autism or or bipolar or is deaf yeah, or blind. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're screaming at this person to like drop the knife or whatever and they can't hear you. Yep. And they have and they have no idea what you're saying. I mean, like it's. There are so many facets that we have to take into account and think about and make decisions like split second with so much limited information. But it'd be good to have training to kind of maybe recognize some of those things. Do you guys mind if I use a bathroom? So actually, we can just wrap it up. <laughs> it's been an hour and a half. It'd be a good I'm like stopping point. To hold it. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have drank so much of the energy drink. You'd be I good know. to go. So, uh, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, really appreciate you coming yeah. and sharing your story. And is there anything else you want to add? You know, I want to put a little bit more pressure on you. So you have to hold it for a little uh, bit longer. <laughs> plug, come to Top Crop. Um, check us out on social media, um, the Sturdy Bitches. Um, and as a woman, like trying to get into training, like just, just find a place that you're comfortable with. I think the whole goal of like what we're doing at, at Top Crop, or at least my whole goal is like, any woman, any size, any color, um, come in and train, you know, don't let anyone hold you back. For sure. Be confident in what you're doing. So, so if anybody wants to reach out and contact you, like what are the best places to find you? Um, Instagram under my handle, (laughs) which is Rachel. Oh no, it's waterhouse life. Yeah. Um, check me out, um, or, or team sturdy bitch on Instagram. Those would probably be the best ways. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, after you, sir. I'll put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, thanks for listening today. Um, check us out on the Higher Points uh, website. Um, follow us on Instagram. Leave us a... I'm sorry. <laughs> You're butchering the fuck out of this. And I can't help it. I'm trying. I'm sorry. You need a script. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to be an asshole and not even cut this out. You do it now. <laughs> No, you do it. I'm just fucking with you. Here, I'll just do this. Here. Is this better? No. <laughs> said no. You can look at my bald spot. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for uh, 
listening to the higher points. Um, Rachel, thanks for coming on. Um, go ahead and, uh, give us a like and follow on Instagram. Um, check out the website. Um, we're going to come out with some more details on our, uh, cornhole board giveaway soon. So be looking out for that and, um, hope you guys have a, have a good week. We'll catch up with you next time.